preacher leaves to turn on the air conditioning just before he preaches, it means one of two things. Either it's hot in here, or it's going to get hot in here. You figure it out. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, four short verses, verses 12 through 15. Give you a moment to turn there. If you have found it, would you stand to your feet this morning? And even if not, would you stand to your feet in the honor of the reading, the Word of God? Verse 12, And it happened when he was in a certain city, that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he, that being Jesus, charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and the great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Let us pray. Father, we love you this morning. God, I hope that we can say with an honest heart that we've loved you as much or more today than we've ever loved you before. As we continue to grow in our knowledge of you and experience your grace from day to day, we're thankful, God, that you are a living God. And Lord, that you speak to hearts. Lord, that you hold us when we're hurt, that you hold us up when we're weak. And God, you take care of us, Lord. We thank you that this morning. And God, I ask now as I preach that you would help me to preach nothing more, nothing less than what you would have me to say. I acknowledge that these are your people. They are not mine, Lord. This is your ministry. God, it is your word, and I'm nothing more than a vessel, Lord. I ask this morning that you would work through me. God, that you would anoint me to preach in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. I ask also, Lord, that you would anoint our ears, God, that we might be able to hear and anoint our eyes, that we might be able to see and understand, Lord, what it is you'd have for us this morning. God, I ask that you would save sinners this morning. God, that you would take the veil off, Lord, of their hearts, and God, they would come to you in the free pardon of sin, changed for forever with one touch. Have your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 12 tells us of a man who was full of leprosy. I want to preach to you this morning on leprosy and how it corresponds to sin. Leprosy is a picture of sin in the Bible. Of all the other diseases that we read of people having, though, though all of them have some type of spiritual application to sin in our lives, being blind, being deaf, uh, being unable to walk, whatever it may be. There is no disease that the Bible more clearly uses to represent sin than the disease of leprosy. And this morning I'm going to show you why and what God wants to teach us about sin as we study the disease of leprosy. Among the Jews, there were several diseases that were classified as leprosy including our modern-day Hansen's disease. 
in spite of medical advances, there are still an estimated 10 million people in our day and time that are fighting the disease of leprosy. Most forms of leprosy attack the nerves in the human body so that the victim cannot feel pain. The victim then becomes infected with sickness and does not know that he is infected with sickness. And he goes on and on for a long period of time not knowing that a disease is killing him. And soon and very soon it will be irreversible. It was the task of the Jewish priests to examine people to determine whether they were lepers. In forming this sermon, I was torn back and forth between reading you literally multitudes of passages this morning to validate what I'm going to share with you. So instead of doing that so that we can move in a speedy manner, I will tell you that the majority of my text is straight from Leviticus 13 and 14. If you want to follow me, you're welcome to. I will simply reference the passage. But in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, we see how God Himself told His people to deal with leprosy. And it's in Leviticus 13 that we see that the Jewish priests were to examine the people to determine whether or not they were lepers. We also learn that when a person was determined to have leprosy, a person that was infected with the disease was isolated from the rest of the community and put into their own camp of lepers to wait there until death. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, used leprosy as a picture of sin. Today I want to start with point number one. Just like sin, leprosy is deeper than the skin. It's deeper than what shows up on the surface. Leviticus 13.3 says, The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. The priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. If the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body. It is leprosy. And he is unclean. First thing I want to tell you this morning is that sin is deeper than skin deep. Sin is actually a heart problem. Many of the things that are classified as sins are really the symptoms and actions of deeper sin that is rooted within us. We are born sinners. Inherently, we are bent towards evil and sinning and rebelling against the will of God and the command of God in our lives. And, 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 and sin in us, it's deeper than simply what you can see. Can I tell you, the reason that people have bad behaviors is because we are sinners. It is that simple. 
The reason people steal, the reason people lie, the reason people hurt, the reason people do wicked things is because once you go past the surface of it all, you see that deep inside there is a disease in them that is running rampant and out of control. Such was also the case with leprosy. Not only is sin and leprosy deeper than the skin, but because it is deeper than the skin, it cannot be helped with mere surface means. Jeremiah 6.14 said, They dress the wound of my people as though if it were not serious. <coughs> peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Jeremiah also uses leprosy as a picture of sin. And here's what he says. They have found the symptoms of leprosy. They have found that deep inside there is something wrong causing them to deteriorate and to get sick and to be unhealthy. And what they have done is taken bandages and covered it up as if covering it up somehow is constitutes healing. They say, peace, peace. And there is no peace. And I tell you, sin is the same way. You cannot deal with your sin on a surface level basis. We do all sorts of things to cover up our sin. Sometimes we try to put some more things on the scale and hope that it tips the scales. Sometimes we go through uh, certain classes and things and try to teach ourselves to live a certain way, to be a certain way, to figure out what it is that triggers you when you fly off the handle and bandage that thing up so that you're no longer flying off the handle. Whatever it may be in your life, you need to know that sin is deeper than the skin and it cannot be fixed with mere surface bandages. Covering up your sin does not heal you of it. You might be able to deceive others that you've covered it up. You might be able to even deceive yourself if you get a good enough bandage on that thing and it doesn't seem to seep through as much that it's not there anymore. But you need to understand something. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And He knows if there's a sin problem. He knows if you need healing. And simply covering it up this morning is not going to make you clean in the sight of God Almighty. Sin is a serious problem. If you've been going to church any length of time in this country, you know this, sin is not preached on too much anymore. We just want to focus on the positive. We want, you know what we want to do? We just want to bandage it up and go on as if we're healed and try to convince each other, you're not sick. Listen to me. If you haven't been healed of your sins, if you haven't been saved this morning, you're very sick. You're dying. You are dying in your sins if you haven't been saved this morning. And as Christians, can I speak to the Christians? We also, I believe, at times have lost sight of the horribleness of sin. And we go on sinning in the name of grace where Paul would look at us and command us, should you go on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid! We have to understand how wicked sin is. 
It is sin that brought all the wickedness and the evil in this world that brought fall upon humanity that separated us from God. How often do we treat it as if it's just a game? How often do we look at other people's sin and the sin of the world and speak of it as if it is this horrible atrocity? but yet when we look at our own selves and examine our own lives, we justify sin. We make reasons for why it's there as it pleads for itself and begs us not to destroy it. And we, and we flirt with sin and we allow it in our lives. You cannot heal leprosy You cannot heal sin with surface matters. Can I say this morning, that I believe one of the reasons that we see so much false Christianity in our particular culture is because people aren't really being healed of their sins. They're looking for bandages. The problem is not surface, it's inner. And so many sermons that are preached and so many books that you read, they deal with your symptoms. They deal with figuring out ways in your own strength to to defeat this or defeat that. And really all we're doing is bandaging things up. God wants to deal with your heart this morning. God wants us to acknowledge, first of all, that we can bandage ourselves up all day long, but until He touches us and He deals with the inner problem, the sickness will continue to grow. Which brings me to my next point. Point two. And thank God I've only got eight points this morning. Don't get nervous. I'm just teasing with you. I'm kind of teasing and not teasing at the same time. Number two, like sin, leprosy spreads. Verses 7 and 8 of Leviticus 13. But if the stab should at all spread over the skin after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the stab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall announce him unclean. It is leprosy. Just like leprosy Sin spreads. You listen to this preacher this morning when I tell you this. If you flirt around with sin long enough and you leave it unrepented and you leave it unconfessed and you play with it and you handle it, it will eventually spread into deeper sins. (coughs) If you hide yourself from your friends, from your family, from your husband, from your wife, and you flirt with sin, It will grow. It continues to spiral because it is a disease. It spreads whether you want it to or not, whether you like it or not. These are some principles we need to understand as God's people. I am preaching to the unregenerate sinner this morning, but I am also preaching to the blood-bought, born-again child of God. Sin will spread if you leave it in your life. You need to know that. Those of us that think we can just 
hold on to certain sins. This is one my one pocket in my life. This is the one thing I'm just not willing to let go of. I have did so much with all these other areas of my life. But this one room, leave it alone. This one room, it is my room, my place in my life. Preacher, don't go there. You listen to me this morning. If you leave sin in your life, it will eventually spread. It is a disease. It is a cancer that seeks to destroy you and separate you from God and keep you distant from him this morning. Sin is a serious thing. Sin is a very serious thing. As Christians, we need to learn to wage war on our own sin. It's real easy to do this, to get up, if you will, on the stage, on the platform, and tell everybody else sin is bad. But until you're willing to look inward into your own life and say, God, is there any sin in my life that I am refusing to let go of? Friend, you can be cancer stricken, you can be sick, you can be dying and be preaching to others that that they need to turn. But you, my friend, are the one that needs to turn from your sins this morning. It spreads. And as it spreads, it defiles. In verse 44 through 45, because of his defilement, a leprous person had to be isolated outside of the camp. It defiles us. It causes us to be isolated. This morning, I'm going to be preaching to some people. I don't know your names, and I don't know one of mine, but I know when I say this. What I'm going to say is going to resonate with you. You feel isolated from people in the church. You show up, and in secrecy, you act like everything's fine. You watch the people praise. You say with an honest, honest heart, I want that joy. I want that peace. Thank you, brother. But you need to know that as you sin, you'll be isolated. You'll feel isolated. If you're holding on to secret sins in your life, you can show up all day long and try to pretend that you're clean. Try to pretend. See, you're putting band-aids on is what you're doing. You're trying to walk yourself through faith and, and, and saying things like, well, uh, I'm a Christian and God's grace is bigger than that. And yet you show up and you still feel isolated. You listen to this preacher. I'm telling you something this morning that you need to get a hold of. You're going to feel isolated so long as you're holding on to sin. The Bible says the Holy Spirit of God, that it did, one of the things that came to this world to do is convict us of our sins. Thank God there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but the conviction of the Holy Ghost comes when we sin against our Savior. And it should come. Not that we feel condemned, but that we might be convicted and turn and repent of our sins. And when the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God comes in your life and you say, I will not repent, friend, you will be isolated. Because sin is a wicked and evil thing. It isolates you. And sinner friend, this morning if you're here, you listen to me. I know that I'm preaching hard and I want you to know something. I was the chiefest of sinners. I've been there. I'm not holier than you. I'm not holier than thou. I do not have that attitude. And if you feel that about me, I apologize. That is not me. But you need to know something. If you are still yet in your sins, you are isolated from God. 
You are outside of the camp. And if you are not healed of your disease, if you are not healed of your sins, if you are not redeemed and forgiven and washed in the blood, one day you will be isolated forever in the pits of an eternal hell. It is a real place. Do we realize yet this morning how big of a deal sin is? It's a big thing. Christian, if you've got sin in your life, repent of it. Quit justifying it. It defiles. Numbers chapter 12, verse 12 says this about those who had leprosy. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed. People with leprosy were looked on as dead. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. Even when you were dead in your trespasses, were made alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Can I tell you this morning, sin causes us to be dead. I lived 20 years of my life and never knew what life was. I was living in death. Now, because I was blind, because I didn't understand that, because I didn't know that there was such a thing as eternal life, because I didn't know that there was a living God that would transform me and cause me to be born again and wash me white as snow, I didn't know that I was dead. Because I was blind, I was deaf, I was dumb, I was crippled, I was dead. You see, that's what sin does to us. That's the way that God sees us while we're yet in our sins. We're dead men walking. That's all you are this morning. If you haven't been washed by the blood, if you haven't been saved, blood-bought, born again, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, this morning you are dead in the sight of God. You need to be born again. Sin defiles us. It spreads. It causes us to be dead. Not only does it cause us to be dead, in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 52, they were told that All the clothing that had touched the leper needed to be burned up. His garments were only fit for the fire. I want you to get the picture with me this morning. Please follow me. The very thing that clothed him, that hid his leprosy from society, God said it's only fit for the fire. And Isaiah The Word of God says that our righteousness is as filthy rags unto the Lord. In other words, just as the garments of the leper were fit for the fire, all of your self-righteousness and the things you might try to do to prove yourself worthy in the sight of God, the the, the, the lifestyle of living on the scales, the the thinking that, that because you've done evil things, a sinner, wicked, you've rebelled against God, that somehow, some way, you could clothe yourself in Adam's leaves is going to make any difference. It will not, my friend. Our own righteousness, the righteousness that is not of God, but that self-righteousness, those self-works whereby I try to make myself righteous in the eyes of God. God says they are filthy rags, only fit for the fire. What I'm telling you this morning is not easy, but I'll, I... Sinner friend, I want you to listen to me when I say this. Number one, it's not easy for me to get up here and preach to you about your sin. I would liken it, though, to the doctor who has looked at your results and found out you're dying of cancer. 
And I ask you this morning, what kind of a doctor would he be if he walked into your room, patted you on the back because he knew the news you wanted to hear, and said, everything's okay. Just go about your way. You'd say that doctor was an evil and wicked doctor. And this morning I'd be nothing more than a false preacher with no courage and no heart that, 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 that put nothing but lukewarm garbage out if I came and tried to tell you that your sin is not a wicked thing. And you need to know that you need to be healed of your sins. Forgiven. Sin is a serious thing. And all of your righteousness. You might say, I'm not a horrible person. How could God ever send somebody like me to hell? First of all, God's not going to send you to hell. You'll send yourself to hell by rejecting the Word of God this morning if you refuse Him as your Savior. The only thing that God does in eternity is confirm your choice here on earth. When you decide that here and now for this life I will reject God, I will not serve Him, when you die, God simply says, your will be done. And you spend eternity suffering for your will. Sin defiles us. It isolates us. It keeps us from God. So what is the answer? First of all, can I tell you, this man was full of leprosy. If you underline in your Bible, underline the word full. This was no small case. He was a man like me. Full from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. Hopeless beyond healing without the miracle of God in his life. This man not only needed change, but I want you to listen to the preacher this morning. He wanted to be changed. He went after Jesus. You're never going to be healed of your sins. You're never going to be saved. You're never going to be touched by God until you want to be. God does not force Himself on anyone. God will not force Himself on your will. He will not intrude upon you and force Himself into your life. He stands at the door this morning. He stands knocking. And He continues to knock. And you've been feeling Him knock from the moment you got here. But friend, until you're willing to say, God, I will open the door to you. I will swing it open wide. Come into my life. Change me, Lord. I'll repent of my sins. Don't ever expect to change until you're willing to be changed. Many folks are not changed, not because God's not willing, but because they're not willing. This man wanted to be changed. And he came to the Lord. Isn't that an amazing thought? He came to the Lord. Out of all the places to go, you might think, Maybe he should go to the doctors, somebody else, the priest. But this vile, leprosy-filled man said, if I can just get to the holiest, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, and He can touch me and heal me, He'll make me whole. 
Can I tell you this morning, Luke's Gospel makes it so clear that Jesus was the friend of sinners. He was the friend of the sick. He was the friend of those to whom nobody else would be friend. And this morning, you might feel unworthy. You might feel like God could never love me. You might think I'm so wretched and so full of sin that God would never have anything to do with me. You know this this morning. He loved you with a perfect love. And He shed His blood for you. And had it just been for you, He would have did it 10,000 times over. He loved you this morning. He is able to heal. We see this attitude in the leper. He gets there to the Lord and he says, Lord, if you're willing. There's two ways to look at the passage. One is that he questioned whether or not the Lord was willing. And obviously he did. But I choose to look at it this way. I think the man just understood how vile he was. I mean, he was full of leprosy. Full. And he got a picture of how dirty he was. And as this dirty, filthy, dying, decaying man, possibly moments from his disease taking his very life and him breathing his last breath, he comes and stands before the Creator of heaven and earth. And he says, if you're willing, Jesus said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And I tell you this morning, there might be somebody here and you're just thinking, would God be willing to touch me? After all that I've done, after all the rebellion I've had, when I know I should have did better, when I know I was taught right, when I know what God wanted me to do, and I turned my back on Him, and I've lived my own life, and I've been a wicked sinner from birth, would God touch somebody like me? Can I stand here on the authority of the Word of God and simply read it to you? He said, I am willing. The Bible says He touched him. One of my favorite words often found when Jesus does a work follows immediately. Immediately, the leprosy left him. I want to camp on this for just a, just a brief moment. I understand that sanctification is a process. When you, when you get saved, you need to know this. It's a process of being made into the image of God. It, it, it takes time and we learn and we continually grow and we mature is the word the Apostle Paul loved to use. We mature in our faith. But there is something that happens immediately when Jesus touches you. And the best way I can explain it is telling you about me. It's unlikely you may have met some that were as much as I. But it's unlikely that you had ever met a more arrogant, prideful, selfish jerk than I was at 18, 19, and 20 years old. I had no care for anybody but myself. I was a wretched drug user, using drugs from morning till night, 
drinking at night to blackout, waking up the next day and doing it again. Possibly hoping that maybe I'd just never wake up. I had no care for God. I had no care for people. And I finally got to the place where I realized, if you will, for illustrations point this morning, that I was full of leprosy. And I was ready to die. And as I began looking and trying to figure out if I'm going to die, if I'm going to die, I know where supposedly I'm going. And I need to know for sure this God doesn't exist. I'm still preaching to you this morning about the healing touch of God and about the Word immediately. I began going to church. To make a very long story short that many of you have heard before, there came a time when I was sitting on a front pew and the first time in my life I heard the voice of God, if you will, in that still small voice in my spirit. And God was doing the same thing He is to some of you this morning. He was saying, just come. Something occurred to me so needful for salvation. It occurred to me that if this God was real, He knew everything I'd ever done. And all of a sudden, guilt and shame flooded me, for I was a wicked, wicked man. And then I became overwhelmed, thinking, God, if you know everything I've done, and you know exactly how wicked I am, what are you doing with your arms open to such a wretch as I? And all that God basically said to me was, the choice is yours now, son. You can get up and walk out, or you can come and kneel down. And I knelt down. And I'm not lying when I tell you this. That's the first real church service I've ever remembered in my life. Not that I had never, ever been, but that was it. And I knelt down, and I didn't know nothing about the Word of God. I didn't have nobody sit me down afterwards and say, here's how you need to live. Here's what you need to do. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit came to convict us of sins. I didn't have anybody lead me through the sinner's prayer. The only thing I could get out of this feeble mouth of mine over and over was, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I said it over and over and over again. And as I did, the blood of the Lamb was just washed right over me. This black heart turned white as snow. I began to have feelings and love that I'd never experienced before. And I got up from that altar, born again, a different man. The old man had passed away. All things had become new. And I left that place. And I'm telling you, one touch, immediately it changed my life. I was never the same again. I desired the things of God. I hated the things that were of the world. I hated sin. I hated wickedness. And I loved the Lord with all of my heart. That doesn't mean I never failed. That doesn't mean I never stumbled. There is a growing process. But I'm telling you this morning, we serve a God in heaven who is able with one touch to change your life for all of eternity. One touch. And immediately, His leprosy left Him. This morning, it only takes one touch from the Master to change your life forever. But you've got to be willing to come for the touch. Like this leper, you've got to believe that he's, that he's willing and that He's able He's not only willing to save, 1 Timothy 2.4 says of God that He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires you to be saved this morning. He's not only willing, but He's also able. Second Peter, excuse me, Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore He is able to save completely 
those who come to God through Him. Because He always lives to intercede for them. And He can do it now. By the grace and power of God, this man was changed. You know, when Jesus touches you, it does change everything. It changes everything. I'm going to close with this final thought. It's an interesting text that follows in verse 14. He charged him to tell no one. Because it's time to shut down, I believe. I'm just going to explain to you why Jesus charged him to tell no one. Isn't that a strange thing? The man goes on, he tells everyone anyway. It's hard to keep your mouth shut when you've been touched by God, believe me. Unfortunately, he's told not to say anything, and he goes and tells the world. Most of us are told to go tell the world, and we choose to say nothing. But here's why Jesus told the man, after he touched him, not to say anything. Jesus knew that the moment people heard of this miraculous thing, that multitudes would come. And they did. I mean, they came running to be touched. And Jesus knew that many people would be coming, the multitude, for the wrong reason. They didn't really want a Lord. They just wanted somebody to touch them and fix their temporary pain. And Jesus goes on to say, you can read it yourself, that His main purpose was to go from city to city, to go to the next, and preach the gospel. You see, Jesus was more concerned about preaching the gospel than healing the sick. Because preaching the gospel deals with the issue of sin. This morning, can I tell you that God is able. He's able. And He does meet our needs. He does. Let me tell you why you need to come to God, especially the first time you come to Him. Not so that He'll fix your needs. Not so that He'll help you pay the bills at the end of the month. Not so that He'll fix your marriage. Not so that He'll fix this or fix that. You need to understand you've got a disease that's killing you and that you're headed for a one-way track to an eternity of damnation and hellfire and He's the only one that can touch. Jesus says this morning, that's why I want you to come. Everything else He could do for you is meaningless if He doesn't first save your soul. Jesus Himself said, what does it matter if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? This is why He told the man not to go tell anyone because everybody was coming to gain the world, but nobody wanted their soul cleansed. He needed to go and preach the Gospel. This morning, why have you come? Why have you come? Why are you here? Why did you begin your journey? Maybe some of you are in the process of seeking the Lord this morning and it's been a journey. Are you looking for Him to heal things or are you looking for Him to heal you? You listen to me. You let Him heal you and those things will begin to start taking care of themselves. It doesn't work the other way around. And Christian, I want to say this. You need to take sin seriously. It spreads. It defiles. 
And for those of us that are Christians, the word of God says to us specifically, to he that knoweth to do good and does it not. To him it is sin. When there's things you know you ought to be doing, whether it be faithfulness to the house of God, faithfulness to study, faithfulness to prayer, shining the light in a, in a dark and cold world, when you know there's things that you ought not be doing and you don't do it, it is sin. And if you've been there and you've done that, you can testify it spreads. It's not very long as you start justifying why you're not doing the things you know you ought to be doing. And guess what? You find yourself distant, isolated. I don't need to preach this sermon over again. You're smart enough to figure it out yourself. Sin is a dangerous thing. Christian, this morning, I want to implore you. I want to plead with you. Heart check. Heart check. Sin's important. It's important we understand how... How, how wicked and evil and destructive it is. It's important we take on the mindset of, God, of, of, of the Apostle Paul. Should I go on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid. No. A thousand times over. No. Repent of it. This morning, if you're lost, you're isolated from God. And sin is what does it. And you need to know one touch can change that. This morning, God's knocking. He says, are you done playing games with me? Are you done going through the motions? Are you honestly willing to let me touch you? And heal you? And forgive you? Would you come to me this morning? God cries out and plead to me and look to me. I am willing and I am able as our worship team comes. Father, we love You. And Lord, this very morning, I ask You to move upon our hearts. I pray right now, God, for the saint of God. Lord, that You would put upon us. I am a saint of God. Put upon us, myself included. God, a heavy realization that as saints, Your desire is to save us from our sins and not just in them. God, that Your desire is for us to flee from it. That the weapons You've given us, Lord, are to keep us from sin. God, I pray that there be any unrepented of, justified sin. Lord, You've dealt with hearts this morning. God, I pray two things for the saint. Number one, that You'd help them to honestly understand the the, 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 the horrible reality of sin in their lives and what it's capable of doing, spreading as a disease. Help them to see that and embrace it and own it. And then secondly, Lord, I pray, God, that You give them the courage not to wait as that sin even now will plead with them saying, let's deal with this later. Let's deal with this next week, knowing good and well that if that request is granted, it will eventually be pardoned and there will be nothing that is dealt with. Help them to deal with it now as you are dealing with it now. Help them not to be ashamed to just kneel at an old-fashioned altar and get real with you. And I pray right now for the sinner, God. Help them to see you love them. Help them to see you brought them here to this church. They could have been anywhere this morning, but they're here because of the divine hand of God. You've got a will for them. You love them. Speak to their hearts even now, Lord. Encourage them to come. You're not... Trouble.